This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 7 of the Stacey West podcast. I'm your co-host Ben and it's just me and Gary this week. How are you doing mate? I'm not too bad mate, not too bad at all. Yeah, it's, uh, it feels a little bit empty doesn't it on the computer screen tonight? Yeah, it's very, um, it's, it's a bit more cosy I'd say. Back to um, Yeah, you know, n- nice little cosy chat around the fire and uh, <laughs> get a beer in and all the rest of it. It's You know, the winter nights are going to start to draw in soon and it'll be cold Tuesday nights at Sinsel Bank and, and, you know, avoiding the, the weather and all sorts. But uh, I love that. Yeah. Don't you? Don't you love a good cold night at the bank? You get all wrapped up and do you know what I mean? Especially if you win and you kind of, you can see your breath when you're walking away from the ground. They're, they're the ones you remember. They're yeah, absolutely. I think uh, the, the, the strongest one for me of those in, in recent memory has obviously got to be the Ipswich game. Um, yeah. Sort of, you know, that was bitterly cold but i don't think anyone really cared at that point it was great no i, mean, um, I looking well back i remember beating accrington 5-1 on a really cold night um, under peter jackson and it was that was a typical it was sparse we'd been one nil down at half time as well we scored five in the second half and that that kind of typified yeah. it for me there's no more beautiful sight than a football stadium lit up in the dark just before everybody gets there I just think it's, you know, like this, during the day, you, you don't know that the stage is primed. But at night, when it's all lit up, you know, it's all about to happen. But nobody's quite there yet. I love that anticipation. Yeah, it's just that approach to the ground, isn't it? Where it's like you can see it and like, you know, you see like the rays coming off the light as the the, the sort of mist hangs over it. There's something magical about it. I love it. Can't wait. Yeah. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, you know, segue away from the, uh, the, the, the misty-eyed... Uh, pre-reminiscing I guess of of what's to come um and we'll talk about Saturday um Saturday away at Cheltenham I think you said it best um in in the piece on the site it was uh it was fairly fairly routine uh 2-0 win didn't really sound like we were in too much trouble at any point um and Shane McCartan coming away with uh I mean, he's trying to claim it as a brace, but let's be honest. I think there was an own goal and a, and a you know a well worked finish for for the second one. 
Yeah, I think if you look at McCartan's claim on the first goal, it's an own goal, but it's the same sort of own goal as the one that was forced to Exeter in that we've got a dangerous ball across, there's a player waiting, and if the defender doesn't touch it, McCartan strokes at home. So you can kind of understand the player going, that's my goal because it's his work that's done it. If he's not there, the player doesn't need to play it. So, um, you know, he's, I, I think there should be some sort of, there's goals and assists. There should be a, an F there for forced errors or something so that players get some sort of credit. <laughs> um, but no, you're quite right. And I think it, it, it's what I like to say business as usual, because as I, as I, you say, I pointed out that, Luton and Accrington didn't lose at Cheltenham, 1-1-1 Drew. Portsmouth and Plymouth didn't lose at Cheltenham, 1-1-1 Drew. So Mm -hmm. I think it's the sort of game, if you're planning on being in the top three all season, which I sincerely hope we are, you go and you do a professional job. Um, You you knock on the door, I think Danny said in his press conference, and if you keep knocking and and nobody answers, you kick it down. And... Mm. Cheltenham, let, let's be honest, Ben. They didn't offer anything, did they? Really? No, I think uh, you know. I think they. I'll be brutally honest. I think that the um, the press conference from their manager at the end has to be one of the most honest press conferences I've seen from another manager so far this season. Um, he, he basically just came out and said, "Well, you know, we weren't good enough. There was a you know there was a difference in class." Um, and the bit that really made me smile was when he when he turned around and said, "Well, they're going to win the league." I thought, you know, that's <laughs> as much as I like to say it's honest because he said we're going to win the league. I think it was honest because he was, you know, despite I think before the game, I think there was a little bit of uh, you know a little bit of mind games coming from him or attempted mind games where he said, you know, we're going to have to try and match Lincoln's physicality and all the rest of it. But I don't think that was what that was what really happened in the game i think it it seemed to be a fairly um kind of a you know fairly one-sided affair but in in the right way for us you know we didn't we didn't resort to having to um you know make little niggly fouls here and there or we didn't have to resort to you know humping it long and and hoping that somebody could get on the end of it it was just yeah it, it was just business as usual and i think honestly if we can keep that up we've not really got too much to worry about at this stage in the season no, I'd agree. I think um, I just we've got quality all over the pitch, and I think I think that's one thing that Duff was alluding to at the end of the game. And I, I, I had a lot of respect for him. Actually, we may I may have misinterpreted his comments before the game in that he knew what he was going to get. You know, might not have been the direct physicality. It might have been he was trying to skirt around it without saying it. But I think um, we. We are we are one of the teams that everybody's looking at and going. They're going to win the league, and whether how we deal with that is going to be testament to Danny and how he he keeps the players grounded. Um, Michael mm-hmm. Duff obviously truly believes it. I think he, he he said the right things. He came out and he was very honest. He gives off an air of the Tisdale to me in his press conference. Yeah. You know, there was no bullshit. There was no David Flickcroft style, whatever it is that David Flickcroft does, which I'm sure isn't stylish at all. Um, there's no Steve Evans. There's, there's none of that. There was just honesty. Um, and he's right. Cheltenham are a, a long way short where they need to be at the minute. And as a former National League winner, um, I think it's, you know, it, it was laid bare. We faced two in, in two weeks, more or less, didn't we, with, with Macclesfield away and then Cheltenham away. So we've been to the two National League winners either side of us. And we're the ones that have really motored on. And I think that's the the momentum that you get from from 9,000 fans. It's the momentum you get from a city buying into a club. And I think, you know, the Cheltenham manager perhaps realises that 
he doesn't have that in his city, and you know it, it is a shame. I like Cheltenham. I think they're a I think they're a good club. Um, I like John Finnegan, who's heavily connected with them. And although we've struggled to beat them in time, you know they it's a nice little setup they've got there. And um, I wish them all the best, uh, but they're going to need to be significantly better if they're going to avoid being in the bottom six or seven. Yeah, I think you're 100% right on that. I, I don't think there's... Uh, I mean, personally, I don't think there's too much, you know, to, to worry about in terms of them maybe facing, you know, maybe facing the drop. I think that they're, they're a, like you say, they're a competent enough competent enough side. They've got enough... Um, they've got enough going for them to, to sort of keep it ticking over as a League Two club. But it's... If they want to kick on, if they want to press on and, you know, kind of do what we're trying to do as a club, I think, like you say, you need to have... A lot more than they've got at the moment. Um, let's talk about uh, let's talk about the goals quickly. Uh, obviously, we you know we mentioned the the first goal um, was was an own goal. I mean that was it, it was a blistering run from from Toff. Really, he, he sort of he seemed to run a lot of the the Cheltenham players ragged on Saturday, and I don't think I don't think they offered enough of a threat for him to be forced back. I think he. He really made some runs into the midfield and and obviously got the you know put the cross in that um, that that well forced the error as you said earlier um, and I think you know I, I one of the funniest things I think I've ever heard was was Michael Horton going absolutely <laughs> spare on the radio when it went in. Um, you know, giving it, oh, McCartan answers his critics. That's how you do it. Oh, McCartan's done it. That's how you shut him up. You score the goal. And Tomo just replied with, I think it's an own goal, Michael. <laughs> and it was, honestly, it was one of the funniest things I've ever heard. Um, but, you know, like you said, you, you, the, that pressure was there for a long time. It was coming. And really, I think you know, by the sounds of it and particularly on the highlights, it looked like Josh Vickers only had one save to make and that was very, very late on in the game. Yeah, but he made it. And um, I I think it's easy to get carried away with the players that we've got because we do, we have threat out wide, whether it's from Andrade and Anderson, whether it's from Toffolo and Erdley, we do well through the middle when we come through the centre, it plays into Akindi who, um, you know, I'm I'm sure we're not going to discuss again, but I thought he had a good game. He had a horrendous miss, granted, um, but, you know, he's, yeah. he's all round contribution. You could see he was carrying the ball forward at pace. He was earning his yards and um, all over the pitch. We've got a threat, but what you've always got to have is that safe pair of hands um, just to, to touch yeah. the save away because let's face it, if it's two nil, 10 minutes from the end, they stick one in and it's a bit of squeaky bum time. Okay. Maybe not against Danny Cowley's Lincoln, but under usual circumstances. Um, and I certainly think, I know Luke Varney came on for them and it was his first appearance. I think he might be a player that could haul them away from the, the bottom few. Um, but I, I, like I said, I can't see them, um, really troubling any higher up the league. And then when you look at the second goal, I think, um, you know, McCartan took it well again, didn't he? And it, it was, it was the same sort of, um, oh, sorry, it was a different type of goal. It was, um, Andrade, who, if you look at his shots on target data, he's very, very good. He has an awful lot of shots on target for Lincoln. Um, he's very rarely off target. Now, sometimes his shots are, you know, they gathered in easily. Um, but that was a stinging drive. Their keeper didn't deal with it. Mm. You know, if it had been at the other end, I would have expected Vickers to hold that. Um, but he's pushed it down and McCartan, right place at the right time. And I'll tell you something, Shay McCartan, 
he's getting better and better with every game. And I, he impressed me at Northampton mm. on the opening day because he picked up the ball and he moved with it in a way that he's not the overlapping centre forward. So he's not a, a Matt Green into the channels. It was like he, he moves with it into the edge of the 18 yard area or just brings it into the final third. Then he's looking to lay it off and get further ahead with play. Um, and there's not a lot of centre forwards because I, I class him as a centre forward. Some are calling him an advanced midfielder, but there's not a lot of players that play in the role that McCartan's doing at the moment with the same sort of style that he does, the ability to carry the ball, to lay it off, to get into the key positions as well. Um, hanging on to him in January in my opinion, is going to be a massive job. I mean, I think that's that's something that we'll, you know, we'll discuss a little bit further down the line, not necessarily in this podcast, because we've got quite a lot to cover already. But um, the January window is something that, you know, is starting to creep into the back of people's minds already. Um, personally, I think if, you know, as long as we come out with basically the same size squad with the same players that we've got at the moment, we'll be fine. I, I can't see any areas that are clamoring for for any new blood i can't see any you know desperation creeping in i think we're we're set for the season as far as i'm concerned but um going back to that that second goal i mean for me i think bruno andrade has been the signing of the summer um i think 100%. you know picking him up at um essentially the first day that the window opened um you know obviously there was a a lot of rumoured interest from from clubs in League One and and you know other clubs in League Two, but Danny's clearly sold him the dream. You know he sold him the vision and he said to him, "Right, you're coming. You, you know, do you want to come to Lincoln?" And he's bought into it. And I think honestly, he has been he's been fantastic. I think that the uh, the um, the way that him and Anderson just switch, you know that that they're not even doesn't seem like they're thinking about it. Like you'll you'll be you'll be watching Bruno, you know bombing it down on the left-hand side. And then two minutes later, he's whipping across him from the right. And you think, what the bloody hell's gone on there? And it, that, I, as a defender, that must scare the living daylights out of you. Because you've got Andrade, who's, you know, he's not slow. And he's also got plenty of tricks in his bag. And then you've got Anderson, who is probably as quick as some of those in the championship. You know, he's he's got pace for days and he, he's improving with every game I think Danny said it himself after the game on Saturday you know um but I think the the width that we've got or the, the skill that we've got in in the flanks at the moment is is something that I've never seen to have on you know never seen as have on both sides I think we've seen we've seen individual wingers with you know a lot of pace and a lot of skill on either side before but to have that both at the same time it's frightening really um, I mean, what do you reckon? Well, I agree. And I think it's been something that Danny's always wanted. I mean, you look back at, at Nathan Arnold, who some people perhaps now kind of look at Nathan's last season for us and, and, and forget what he brought in the National League season. And it's something that Danny's looked to have in the side at all times is that kind of pace from out wide. Didn't quite work last season because he brought in Jordan Maguire-Drew, who... Um, let's be honest, was shit. Um, but he also brought in... <laughs> sorry, he was. But Danny didn't know that. You know, he, he had seen him score 15 goals. We all thought Jordan Maguire-Drew was going to be fantastic, and he wasn't. He was more interested in his hair, and, you know, he had no positional sense whatsoever. He, it was terrible. Um, but then he tried it with Jordan Williams, who I thought did really well. He's now playing League One football for Rochdale on a regular basis. You've got Josh Janelli, who, who he tried it with last year. Again, 
didn't quite work out for Josh with us last year. Um, that, I thought that, just quickly, I think that was a shame because I, I did rate Janelli. I thought he was a good player. You know, when he when he was on his day, I just think he was possibly a little bit like uh, Maguire Drew when you say maybe trying to buy into the lifestyle side of being a footballer a bit too much rather than on the pitch. You know, get that right first and the rest will follow. And I think they may be both of them maybe trying to, to force the off pit, you know, off the field side a bit more. But anyway, carry on. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I'd probably, I'd probably disagree with that. I think with Josh, I think he was in, he was the right man at the wrong time. He did really well for us in the National League. I think he'd do really well for us now. But I think last season, because we were needing to go more direct and we were needing to get into Reedy quicker, certainly as the season wore on and it became apparent that, you know, we were, we were light up front and Reedy did force his way back in. I think that cost Josh because mm. I don't think that he could get, he needed to get in and around Reedy too much. Whereas now our wingers don't need to get in and around John Akindi because John Akindi will move the ball out to them or Shea McCartan will get in and support him. So I think we, we can play with a natural width now that we didn't have last season that we did have in the National League. Um, and you know, when you think we've got Bernard Mensah, uh, who can probably come in and do the same, we've got Kellen Gordon who was brought in at right back, but he too can play out wide. Um, mm. yeah, it, it, it's frightening, absolutely frightening. Yeah, but I mean, like you said, that that shot from uh, from Bruno cutting in, um, and the thing is with Bruno as well, he can use both feet, which is it. It's almost a bit of a cliche, but you know, when you can use both feet in the way that he does, it's it must be terrifying. You don't know where the threat's going to come from. You don't know if he's going to cut inside and whip across in. You don't know if he's going to, you know, do a little lollipop or a boner or something and just take it past you that way. I, he's a fantastic footballer to watch for Lincoln City right now, and I, I can't. I just can't wait to see what he does. But that drive, like you said, stinging shot from from outside the box. Um, keeper spilled it, and, and Shane McCartan was just in the right place to to knock it in. Um, but I think, yeah, ultimately, a comfortable comfortable two nil win. Um, and we, you know, obviously then moved on to to Tuesday night. Leading on from uh, from a good win at the weekend. Unfortunately, Tuesday night's game was. Uh, well, it's a tale of two halves is a bit of a cliche, really, but it seems as accurate as you're going to get in this one, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Um, I, it wasn't a game that we, we previewed last time around, I think, due to having Sam and having time and all that sort of thing. And I think had we previewed it, I would have flagged it up as one that we were likely probably to draw at best. Um, I didn't fancy us going to Tranmere. Uh, as it turned out, I thought the first half they were terrible. Um, either that mm. or we were good, one of the two. Um, and, and you've got to bury your chances and no one player is to blame for us not putting our chances in the net. There were several players who had efforts at goal that were saved or that, that went wide. Um, and ultimately we, we were made to rue that in the second half. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, one of the, one of the, the biggest and most obvious problems for me was, um, well, not not the sort of problem. Sorry, it was uh, one of the, the biggest moments. Was was very very early on um, when you know uh, the the ball came across and, and Akindi got a, a decent header on the ball, um, and it was it was clawed off the line um, by the keeper. It was a fantastic save, and to be honest, it it kind of summed up where we were going to go. Um, it, it didn't really. Well, yeah, it, it was just a difficult, uh, difficult evening to, to watch. Really, um, I had it on iFollow, and I think honestly, the first half was 
was among some of the best football that I've seen a Lincoln City side play. Um, we, you know, we knocked it about. We we kept them at bay. They didn't really look like scoring at any point. Um, and then whatever whatever Mickey Mellon's put in there, the halftime oranges. I'd, I'd quite like some to uh, to go with my breakfast tomorrow because it was uh, it was a completely changed team in the second half. Um, and they came out and did you know did exactly what they needed to do. I think they they realised that they needed to kick it about. That you know they needed to to keep it and sort of hold the ball, play that possession game, and ultimately um, they got the break from. What was I think a slight lapse in concentration from Bozzy maybe um, playing Norwood on side, um, and I think really it, the defence kind of stopped when when Norwood went through, and as I think we're, you know I think everyone's aware, you need to play to the whistle, and it even looked like Josh Vickers kind of was not not lackadaisical, but it looked a little bit like he was waiting for something to go in terms of you know a decision. Um, and ultimately the ball got slightly past him and, and unfortunately we couldn't find a way back from that. Um, I mean, what, what was, what was your take on, on the second half and, and everything else around it really? Yeah, I, I agree with you to um, a point there. I think you've raised an interesting point about playing to the whistle because we discussed this, or certainly I wrote about it in an earlier game this season where um, Harry Anderson missed a chance because he thought there'd been a foul committed on the edge of the area. I'm just trying to think who it was against. It was one of the only ones I haven't watched from um, from the box. So it would have been something like um, Berry at home, possibly. Um, and there was another moment where, where we... Uh, where they scored the goal, if we remember, Bruno Andrade was fouled. We were waiting for the foul, and the ball came in, and, and everyone was kind of—it was Crawley, wasn't it? Everyone was whinging about it, and yeah. uh, you know, we didn't play to the whistle to a degree. That happened, I think, last night. Uh, you know, the, the, even with Josh in goal, there was a hint of—I mean, it reminded me a little bit of the Pavel Abbott goal for Huddersfield in 2005, where everybody stopped, but. Still hurts, man. That still hurts. <laughs> yeah, it does me. I, I genuinely, I thought his middle name was Wanker for uh, for a very long while. After that, I genuinely thought that was his middle name. It certainly was whenever I said it out loud. Um, but no, I, I yeah, maybe we didn't play to the whistle. James Norwood is a good centre forward. I don't doubt for one second if Matt Green had that sort of chance, he would put it in the back of the net. I don't doubt if John Akindi got that sort of chance, he would put it in the back of the net. Um, and I know that we said prior to to going on air, so to speak, that we weren't going to mention Big John, um, and I'm not going to defend or criticise him too much. But I just think it's worth pointing out that when you look at Lincoln City's goals of the month, somebody on Twitter pointed out that at least three of those, John Akindi had a hand in. Um, so anybody that thinks he's, he's not pulling his weight uh, is is probably not looking at the bigger picture. I, I appreciate he missed chances. I think last night, like you said, it was a great save. I don't, I don't think that was a glaring chance that he missed. I think he's low on confidence, like Matt Green was um, for a period last season. But for people after the game to start saying, "Well, if we had James Norwood, where would we be now?" It's like we haven't got James Norwood, and we would be facing a a suspension for a player who got himself sent off in stupid circumstances, despite the goal that he scored. He did very little mm. else. Now. I, I, people will argue with me because some people will say, if you've got a goal scorer and all he does is score one goal a game, brilliant. And other people will say, if you've got a guy that scores a goal a game but isn't really a team player, that's not good. And in the first half, we saw that. James Norwood wasn't interested. He wasn't involved at all. It was 10 men, more or less, or nine men. So Cole Stockton was shite as well. Um, 
But then in the second half, it changed and obviously he took his chance and he scored the goal. I'm not saying I wouldn't have James Norwood. I'm just saying people need to look at the bigger picture. But at the end of the day, it's one defeat. We don't, I, I keep saying it, but we you can't get too down after one defeat. We're still top. Um, we played some fantastic football. The processes are right. We're getting in the positions to score goals. Before the game, Tranmere were complaining that their fans, sorry, were complaining that they weren't getting in positions to score goals. Now, that's a fundamental problem. We don't have that problem. We're getting chances on goal. Eventually, somebody's going to concede six or seven past Lincoln City. Um, and that, that's, that's kind of my final take on it, I think. I, I think you're right. You know, I think the, um, the, the problem that we had last night, it, it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't a few individual errors. It was, it was a collection of, 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 issues that you know when i say it wasn't an individual error, i mean it wasn't one individual letting the tide down you know it was a collection of of poor shots or you know decisions that that you think well maybe you could have done something a little bit different with that um the one that does come to mind is just sort of the last i think it was pretty much the last attack of the game um bruno was bruno came forward and, and he he took a bit of a shot from the edge of the area when there were three people in and around the six yard box and you just think, well, that, that shouldn't be the decision that you make in there. You know, you, you just look up rather than just going for a shot. And I mean, you, you said that, you know, you're not going to, we're not going to talk about John Akindi because it, it's not necessary to, um, I think for my mind, I think the, the, the way that you look at last night's game or Tuesday night's game as, as you listen to this is, um, that, you look at what happened. Um, we took John Akindi off. We took Shane McCartan off. We put Green on and we put Matt Reed on. And instantly, I didn't think we were going to score. As soon as as no. soon as Matt Reed came on, um, you know, it, it was it was pump it long, let it land on his head, and see what happens. Um, and that didn't really happen because you've got Steve McNulty, uh, you know, and. Steve McNulty makes me look slim. Like I'm, you know, I'm not a small guy, but when you've got Steve McNulty there and you've got Matt Reed, Matt Reed should be winning a lot against Steve McNulty. He should be winning the headers. He should be, you know, getting in front of the defender to, to win the flick on to, to do that. And I don't know whether it was, whether he just got caught up in, you know, the, the sort of, um, the mind games or, or whatever, but he, he didn't look too effective. And unfortunately, if you take John Akinde off, you, you lose an awful lot. Um, in in your versatility, and you know, it showed last night. And I think, um, honestly, it it was disappointing. But like you say, you know, that you're not a big fan of the phrase "we go again," but but we're going to have to. Um, we go again. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're going to have to. Right? We're going to have to regroup and, yeah. and look at things and and um, you know, pick it up against Crew. Now, obviously, Crew were the orchestrators of possibly the worst performance that a lot of people have seen at Central Bank over the past few years. Um, I fortunately, I guess, wasn't at that game last year. I had um, I had a, a prior commitment, so I couldn't make it. But um, it was interesting watching the comments coming out of it. And, you know, that it, it sort of seemed to be that point where Danny and Nicky looked at each other and said, we're going to stay here because the fans are behind us. The fans are backing us. And the fans are, you know, they're a hundred percent with us at this point, despite the fact we're getting hammered at home to a team that we shouldn't really be losing to. Now, I don't expect for a second that we're going to have a repeat performance of that on Saturday. I think it is a game that we should be winning. 
Um, I think it's a game like the Cheltenham game where you expect that to be a routine three points. Um, and I would like to think that Danny and Nicky uh, instill that hunger into the guys on, on Saturday to say, look, we've had a disappointing result in the you know in midweek. You played really well first half. Let's see more of that for the full 90. And, you know, hopefully we, we can come away with three points. What, what, what do you reckon? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously I've done my usual look at, uh, at Crewe and, and I'm not impressed, um, just like I wasn't against Cheltenham, just like I wasn't against Macclesfield. They're very defensive. They'll play something akin to a 4-3-1-2. Um, Jordan Bowery is one of the main men for them. He's the son of Bert Bowery, who... Um, was a Lincoln City player, one of the uh, one of the seventy six season. I think he came on loan, scored against Southport. So his lad's quite dangerous, and he also played very well against us last last year at Sinsel Bank. They've got a youngster called Harry Picker in as well in the middle of the park, um, who's not a bad player. But overall, if you're a betting person and you bet on both teams to score, no crew would only have let you down. I think in one game this season. Um, they're either sublime, I think they won 6-0 at home in one game, 3-0 at home in another, or they're utterly appalling um, where they lose by several goals or they lost at home to Port Vale. Um, they don't travel particularly well. Uh, they rely heavily on their home form, which pretty much sounds like exactly the same situation they brought last season when they pulled our pants down and spanked our bottoms on a very, very miserable afternoon. Mm. Um, now, I was actually I was at the other leg. I was at the... Uh, trip to crew where we did exactly the same to them when they went 1-0 up I think in the first half and we ended up winning 4-1 so there's lots of goals potentially in the game I can't see them coming from crew I'm not being overly bullish or arrogant I I can genuinely see Lincoln City handing out um, a a sound win something more like the Exeter win than anything at the weekend Danny won't be happy with Tranmere in terms of the outcome but the process is I think we can all agree in the first 45 minutes are certainly in place. And I think if you look back at Cheltenham, at MK Dons, at portions of the Macclesfield game, it's all coming together. Mm. Now, I don't I don't take um, the opinion that we should have remained unchanged last night either. I think your club captain's got to come back in. And I think that's the same on Saturday. I think Franklinton's got to play. Um, people saying, oh, don't change an unchanged team. Absolute rubbish. It's a fallacy. Um I know that the same thing was said against Solihull in the conference season where we'd won or we were undefeated and we changed a team and, and then we ended up drawing nil nil and Tom Champion became everybody's favourite uh, favourite punching uh, bag. Now, I just um, some quick numbers. in Looking at the 2016-2017 season, and thank you very much to Pete, who is at Sinsel Banker for this, um, he's made a rough estimate that 25 times Danny Cowley changed a winning team and won the next game. And that was in the conference years. So this whole unchanged team is rubbish, absolute rubbish. And um, I actually, having said that, I think we'll be unchanged from Tuesday. I think we'll be unchanged from the from the Tranmere defeat um, if nobody's carrying knocks. Mm. But I don't think that, yeah, I, I, you've got to play Lee Frecklington. Um, and I think we win the game comfortably. Yeah, I I, I can't disagree. It's um, I, I'm I'm getting aware that you know a lot of the time I'll, I'll come back after you've said something and just go yeah I completely agree with that. But it's it's hard to it's hard to disagree. You know when you when you've got um, a player of, of Frex ability, um, he he took a pounding on on social media. Um, you know after the game uh, against Tranmere, and it, it wasn't fair. Um, you know I think he was. Uh, he was um, Tomo's man of the match. Um, he, to be honest with you, I think, you know, 
he he ran the show in the first half. Um, he looked incredibly dangerous going forward, and I think he uh, he helped allow Tom Pett to to um, to do his thing going forward as well. You know, when he was called on to do his defensive duties, so um, I, I wholeheartedly agree. It's it's harsh on uh, on Michael O'Connor, um, but I think it gives us that freshness from freshness. Sorry, from the bench. Um, if you've got somebody like Michael O'Connor ready to come on, you know it gives you that bit of muscle in midfield. If uh, if things are st- people are starting to tire, you just need to put somebody in in the middle to completely boss it. If uh, you know Freck's starting to get a little bit weary or whatever, um, and I think it's it's a no brainer for me that, that Freck starts on Saturday as well. Um, the situation up front, I would personally like to see Akindi and Green playing off each other. Um, I think. The, the the combined threat that those two have, um, you've got somebody like Matt Green who can run off. Well, I mean, he can run off anything. He can run off a ball that I play to him. He's he's got pace for days. Um, he's got the strength that he needs to to you know to, to get through defenders. And it's the same with John Akindi. You know, he will he will create those chances for Matt Green. And if you know if a chance is created for Akindi, once he finds his touch. I think you'll be fine. Um, I, I, the one thing I've been meaning to actually have a chat with you about is, you know, so many, so many people this time last season or in the run up to Christmas last season, how many people wanted Matt Green dropped from the side? How many people wanted him to, you know, to sit on the bench and to, you know, for the big man to be given a go or for somebody else to come on or, you know, let's bring Ollie Palmer and let's, you know, let's change Matt Green for Ollie Palmer and see what he does. You know, Matt Green finished as our top scorer and it was because Danny stuck with him and he stuck, he kept the faith with him. It's exactly what we need to do with John Akindi at the moment. He's, you know, if you said it, well, you said it best in, in the past, you know, who would you rather have as your, your four or your three or four strikers? You know, at the moment, you look at our, our striking options. We've got Matt Reed, Matt Green, John Akindi and Shane McCartan. Last season, we had Matt Reed, Matt Green and uh, Ollie Palmer. To say that we've got, you know, a, a much stronger lineup this season is is a massive, massive understatement. So, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I'd like to see Green and Akindi start on Saturday, um, but we'll see. Yeah. We'll, we'll I see what Danny says. I disagree with you um, personally because, and I'm a massive Matt Green fan. So, quite a few people who are listening to this are going to think I'm on drugs. Um, but I probably wouldn't play Matt Green from the start on Saturday because I think the John Akindi Shea McCartan partnership is phenomenal, um, or can be, sorry, phenomenal. When I look at John Akindi, I think of the man, uh, the band Half Man, Half Biscuit, because I look at John Akindi mm. and I think half Reed, half Green, because that's what you've got. Um, he's got half of Reed's physicality and that kind of playing up to. He's got half of Matt Green's kind of pace and running in and off. So he's kind of like the two of them rolled into one. Shea McCartan's not like anything else that we've got he's somebody that can drop deep pick the ball up in midfield surge forward bring people into play pop up at the back post i from right now on form shay mccartan is our best center forward on on form i'm not <clears throat> i'm not making some outlandish comment about him being better than everybody else that we've got permanently but for me, he's one of the first names on the team sheet. I think you play Akindi and Shane McCartan until about 60 minutes. Um, and then you bring Matt Green on, not Matt Reed. You bring Matt Green on for McCartan. And then you get that extra bit of pace in and around Akindi. And if you really need to, we bring Reedy on for the last 10 minutes. 
that we've got to see Matt Green's got explosive pace and we've got to see that working and to bring him on with 22 minutes to go and then just lump it into Reedy's relying on Reedy to flick the balls on. If he doesn't get it, Green, mm. looks, Green looks lost. So that that would be my own personal choice. And I mean, I'm, I'm a huge, huge Matt Green fan. Um, you know, I've championed his cause, but I don't know. When I see Shane McCartan on the ball, there's just something about him. A little drop of his shoulder or a little glance up and he can pick a pass like like the best midfielders. I've, like, I've likened him to uh, the way he plays to Paul Gascoigne. I'm not saying he's, you know, that level, obviously, but it's the way he plays. Hmm. It's the way that he just pops up here, there and everywhere. Um, yeah, for me, he's one of the first names on the team sheet. Fair enough. Um, I'd, obviously, we'll see what Danny does on Saturday, and, and hopefully, uh, you know, we'll, we'll grab a hatful. But uh, I believe we've got a uh, to, to wrap this week up. I believe we've got a question this week. Um, so we have got a question. Uh, we've got one from Kate Jackson, who I think asked one last uh, last week as well. So I'm beginning to wonder if maybe Kate's after a, uh, a guest spot on the show. Um, but Kate asks. Say for argument's sake that the Cowleys left us in the next two years, who would you want to be the next manager? Sorry, I beg your pardon. Would you want the next manager to be experienced in the league or go for another young manager from non-league, such as Luke Garrard from Boreham Wood? Now, oh, I can... Yeah, well, I'll, I'll give you, because that's the first time you've heard it, and it's a little bit unfair to, to put you on the spot. So I, I've been giving it quite a bit of thought. Um I don't think necessarily experience in the league is important, but I do think that if we're going to forego experience in the league, we need experience of our club. So therefore, for me, it would either be a promotion internally or it would be somebody with football league experience. Now, what would concern me is if we went to somebody and say, he's experienced in the football league and we brought him in and he didn't buy into the ethos that Danny and Nicky had set up. And that's what's important because they're building a club from the bottom up. They're building mm-hmm. the youth teams. They're putting the tactics in place. Everything is in their image. So I, I believe that they're probably looking at, at, at promoting internally. And I think that is, it was kind of the Liverpool way, wasn't it? When you build an ethos and you build an environment, you need somebody that understands that. So maybe even one of the senior players, maybe Jason Shackle and, and Jamie McComb or something like that. But no, I, I wouldn't go for a Luke Garrard um, at the moment. And I don't think there's anybody in the upper reaches of the National League that I would trust to take over Lincoln City in League One. Although Dean Keats is proving me perhaps wrong on that. But what about you, Ben? Where do you stand on it? Um, yeah, I think I think it's a fair shout. You know, you said there, I think the the fact is that, you know, this isn't this isn't the same Lincoln City that that had the the turnaround of you know the, the managers in quick succession that we had in you know the, the sort of late two thousands, um, you know the the it it's gone back to kind of you know the Keith ethos and the atmosphere like you say, but they've you know Danny and Nicky have really pushed on pa- way way past that, and I think there was um, I I got to sit with. Um, I think got to sit with Michael Horton a little bit last season. Um, after the after Danny and Nicky had announced they'd sign a new contract, mm-hmm. um, and one of the questions that I put to Michael, he actually asked the guys, um, and you know the, the question was, you know, how does it feel to see your legacy playing out in real time? And they were a bit taken aback by the question, and they said, well, you know, it's very kind, it's very 
you know, it's not something that we're thinking about, but it must be something that's on their mind. And like you say, I think if you if you're going to be if they do disappear for whatever reason, you know, if West Ham could knock in and offer to send their kids to Eton, you know, let, let's say that's the, <laughs> let's say that that's, you know, that's the, that's the scenario that happens and they, they up sticks. If they do go, I, I just don't think there would be, like you say, I don't, I don't think an experienced manager is, is, is the way forward. I think, um, you, you do look at experience, you know, in, in air quotes, you look at experienced managers, you look at the likes of, I don't know, well, for want of a better example, you look at the likes of Evans, you know, you look at the likes of, of Tisdale and those kind of managers, you think, well, th- they're the opposite ends of the spectrum. You've got, you've got the likes of Evans who, you know, doesn't really know how to manage his money properly. Um, we've got our own views on that as Lincoln City fans, <laughs> but then you've also got the likes of, of, of Tisdale. Now, I, I like Tisdale as a manager. I like him as a person. I think he's well-spoken and I think he, he, he understands the game incredibly well. Um, but in my mind, that would be the kind of manager that we, we would need to instill. You know, we don't want a blowhard that's going to sit in press conferences and, and invite, you know, rivalries with other managers. We don't want a man, you know, somebody that's going to sit there and deflect the blame here, there, and everywhere, and you know, pull up the performances of of the officials when you know they may well have had a good game. I, I think we need to have, we would need to have somebody in that instance where their focus is on the club and on the players and on themselves and on the fans, because I think really the the biggest thing that Danny and Nicky have done is is brought the community back into the club. And the last person, like I said, that I can remember that did that was Keith. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, you know, we're never going to see, we're never going to see the, really the likes of Keith again. I think he was a, he was a very unique character, but Danny and Nicky in my mind have, have well, surpassed him in, in many, many ways. But I think you're right in that, you know, promotion from within or somebody that understands the club would really be the best option. Um, where they go to from that, I, I honestly don't know. I think, uh, yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I, I really don't know, um, but I, I think looking at an experienced league manager is, like you say, probably the, not the best way forward. But I think I think all I've had for, to, to the conversation at the moment is we've had this discussion. I don't think for one second it's something that we're going to need to consider in the next twelve months or eighteen. Months. Oh, absolutely not. Um, and I think you know both of us would probably like to clarify that that this isn't. A, we're not already looking ahead going, oh, when it all ends, because that, that's when you lose sight of football and you lose your enjoyment if you worry about when the Lincoln Loco stops. Um, mm. It's just enjoy it, isn't it? It's just yeah, enjoy it while it lasts and, and, and we see what happens down the line. But it's, you know, it doesn't hurt to ponder, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, it's a complete hypothetical, you know. That, that's the reason that I'm finding it so difficult to come up with names because I'm just sat there going, but it's not going to happen. You know, that it's... I don't think I've ever seen anybody buy into something quite as much as Danny and Nicky have at, at the club now, and it's uh, it is an incredibly special time to to be a Lincoln City fan. So uh, that is, uh, you know, thank you for the question. Um, if you do have your own questions, submit them to us uh, on Twitter. I am at Winstano. Gary is at Stacey West Blog. Um, Anything you want to plug this week, Gary? No, I'd, I'd probably just, I don't know if I've ever done it before or not, but I do write for a website called Football League World. Um, we do cover predominantly championship at the minute, but hopefully more League One and League Two. So if you do want some um, up-to-date rolling news from from us, www.footballleagueworld.co.uk. 
Cool. There we go. Um, and as ever, uh, nextgenbase.com, if you want to check out some video game news, it's been quite a lot this week. Um, so yeah, we'll, uh, we'll leave that there for the video, week. I've got some video game news. Oh, go on. I completed Hitman. Hey, good lad. Hitman's a great game. So, and it's only taken me since it came out. <laughs> good couple of years then. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So that's what happens when you decide that you're not going to spend 50 odd quid on FIFA. Yeah. Yeah, that's Ever. fair. Um, Again. There is one thing that I wanted to talk about quickly about FIFA is have you seen what they've done with Ultimate Team? No. They've um, they've announced well they've they've announced that they've had to start displaying the odds on the packs that you get for for your players. Um so if you want like the really rare ones to watch cards I think it is so it's like there's a bunch of players that are in this ones to watch and I think their stats will increase throughout the season um so if you get a player that's rated 84 now and he gets better than 84 throughout the season the 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 value permanently increases to that so yeah it's quite a desirable card to have um but they've had to you know th- there's been a lot of gambling laws and a lot of discussion in the gaming space about you know is this gambling let's be fair it is um, and what they've said is that they have to display the odds. But what they've done is they've put the odds of getting one of those players is less than 1%, which doesn't actually tell you anything. Is that, you know, is that is that 0.9% or is that 0.001%? You know, it's it's ridiculous. But if you want yeah, to spend your money on Ultimate Team, be my guest. It's not my thing. It's not your thing. It was my thing. <laughs> That's the worst thing. It was my thing. I packed Sir Jorier one to watch last year at Spurs, and I thought that's going to be a cracking card. He didn't improve all season, not <laughs> once. Wow! Never went up. Amazing. So it was, I, I loved Ultimate Team. I know we're going off kilter, and it's very quick. I, I really enjoyed Ultimate Team. I loved squad building challenges. I loved it all, um, but there was too much risk of gambling. It was it was that simple. And rare cards were not rare. And when I was seeing normal silver cards go for four thousand, but I was packing rare cards and selling them for nine hundred and fifty. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, I'd, it's not my thing. You know, the, the argument of it being football stickers is is not is not accurate to me. But that's another discussion. If you want to hear that yep. discussion, like I say, follow me on on Twitter and we'll, we'll have that conversation there. Um, You'll have to get me on discussing football games one week. <laughs> yes, absolutely. We can uh, we can probably do that. Maybe in the closed season, we'll, we'll, we've got some uh, got some ideas for the closed season or, you know, any breaks that we have where we're not focusing on matches and stuff like that. But uh, we can have cool. those conversations. But uh, anyway, that's going to do us for episode seven. We'll see you next week for episode eight after hopefully... Another few points for the imps. See you later. Cheers. Bye. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. The 90th minute. And all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. 
Your mate's already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.